Welcome to the Grace Long Beach podcast, a series of sermons from our weekly Sunday gathering. For more information on our church community, values, and service times, please visit www.gracelb.org. Thanks for listening. Today's reading is 1 John 4, 7 through 21. Dear friends, let's love each other because love is from God, and everyone who loves is born from God and knows God. The person who doesn't love does not know God because God is love. This is how the love of God is revealed to us. God sent his only son into the world so that we can live through him. This is love. It is not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the sacrifice that deals with our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us this way, we also ought to love each other. No one has seen God. If we love each other, God remains in us, and his love is made perfect in us. This is how we know we remain in him, and he remains in us, because he has given us a measure of his spirit. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. If any of us confess that Jesus is God's Son, God remains in us, and we remain in God. We have known and have believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who remain in love remain in God, and God remains in them. This is how love has been perfected in us, so that we can have confidence on the judgment day, because we are exactly the same as God is in the world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear, because fear expects punishment. The person who is afraid has not been made perfect in love. We love because God first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates a brother or sister, he is a liar. Because the person who doesn't love a brother or sister who can be seen can't love God who can't be seen. This commandment we have from him Those who claim to love God ought to love their brother and sister also. This is the word of the Lord. Kids, you are dismissed to King's Quest as the rest of us are seated. How wonderful it is to be with you all this morning. There's a quirky comedy that used to be on television called Monk. It was about a detective who... uh, has an obsessive-compulsive personality disorder. He's absolutely brilliant, but he is also very neurotic. And invariably, the cases that Monk is brought in to solve bring him face-to-face with as many phobias, his fear of germs and clouds and round objects and things like that. One of my favorite episodes is called uh, Mr. Monk and the Naked Man, where he's brought in to help solve a murder that happened on a nudist beach. Um, And it turns out that Monk has an almost pathological hatred toward the nudists who are there. Um, And it's, it's so bad that it's clouding his judgment. He can't solve the case. And so he goes to his therapist. This is why we need therapists. Um... And he breaks down in tears talking to him. He remembers a time when when he was very young and naked, and he remembers 
screaming and crying, and, and, and a strange man was hitting him, and there was blood everywhere. Adrian, I'm so sorry, his therapist says. And then he remembers that his mother was there, and she was smiling. And his therapist stops him and says, wait, 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 wait. Your mother was there? Adrian, was the man wearing a mask? Yeah, yeah, I guess he was. It was just horrible. I didn't want to be naked. The therapist says, Adrian, that man was a doctor. You're remembering your own birth. Anyone else, I wouldn't have believed it, but you. And no wonder my father was in the doorway with the balloon, you know. So Monk has a breakthrough. He remembers that it was his own birth, and it helps free him from his fear of nakedness. And uh, he solves the murder, and, you know, it's, it's all good. <laughs> now, all of us, every person here was born at one time or another. But unless you're like Adrian Monk, you probably don't remember your own birth. But whoever you were born to, wherever you were born, whenever you were born, the first letter of John helps us remember the birth that matters most, our birth from God. John reminds us that we are God's own children, that we are born into love through the cross, and now we're growing up into love and trust with each other. Um, open your Bible, if you would, to 1 John 4. Um, I don't know what the page number is, but it's toward the end. Um, we're taking time at the beginning of this year to focus on the love that God has for us, um, to take time to pay attention to God's rich, costly, boundless love for us. And week after week, we're returning to 1 John 4, which is like the most concentrated passage on love in the entire New Testament, if not in all of Scripture. John, in this passage, looks at the life and death of Jesus and understands all of it as a great event of God's love for us, love that brings us new life because it brings us new birth. Um, and it's the language of birth that I want to focus on this morning. Are you with me? So far, so good? John would have us believe that we are born from God. He tells us that we know we're born from God because of the love that we have. Look at verse 7. He says, Dearly loved friends, we should love each other because love is from God. What's more, each person who practices love is born from God and knows God. The person who doesn't practice love doesn't know God because God is love. The first thing I think we need to notice in these words is the source of love. The source of love is God. John tells us that God is love, that love comes from God. And so John says, whatever love comes through us comes from God. It doesn't come from us. Practicing it love is the way that we know we're connected to God because God is love. We can work at all kinds of really good things in the Christian life. We can work at prayer and reading scripture and gathering to worship and showing care toward the needy. But John says if we do these things without love, then we don't really know God. 
Without love, we aren't really connected to God, whatever else we may be doing. And John uses what I find to be startling language about what exactly our connection with God is. In verse 7, he says, we have been born from God. Whoever practices love is born from God. Just pause and think how much your birth has influenced who you've become today, what language you speak, where you live, how your character is shaped, what you've come to expect about the world and culture, what family you've been born into. Our births determine so much about our lives, not everything, but so much. When John says we are born from God, He means that another birth has taken place, one that's ultimately more influential for who we are and who we become. We are born from God. We we begin again with God as Father. We learn the language of love. We come to recognize people as brothers and sisters who otherwise we might never know. And if you just look around for a moment, think about how beautiful and profound that is. One of the most remarkable books I've ever read is called Lila by Marilyn Robinson. On the surface, Lila is a story about how a vagrant woman came to marry the aging pastor of a town in rural Iowa in the 1940s and 50s. But it's really a story about grace, how grace opens our lives to the love of God and love for each other. At least, uh, that's how I read it. Has anybody read this book? All right, yeah. It's good. Um, The book opens when Lila was a child. She was forgotten. She was neglected. She's hungry, dirty, covered with sores. And she's abducted by a woman named Dahl, who steals her away to take care of her. They live as vagrants. They wander from place to place in the bleakest years of the Depression, just trying to find enough work to live on. And later in her life, Lila begins reading the Bible, Ezekiel, of all things. She finds herself in these words from Ezekiel 16. As for your birth, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to cleanse you, nor rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in cloths. No eye pitied you to do any of those things for you out of compassion for you. But you were thrown out into the open field, for you were abhorred on the day you were born. I passed by you and saw you flailing about in your blood. As you lay in your blood, I said to you, Live. Lila finds herself in these words because when she was born, no one took care of her. Not until Dahl wrapped her up and ran off with her in the rain. These words also named for Lila the possibility of her rebirth, her being born anew. As you lay in your blood, I said to you, live. Lila slowly throughout the story comes to recognize who it was that said to her, live, that it was the God of love. 
God meets us in our place of, of greatest need, our greatest dependence, and God says to us, live. We become alive to God's love. We can't help but growing up into love. It's like a new birth. John says, whoever practices love has been born from God. Now, if we are born from God, you might wonder, what are we born into? We're born from God, what are we born into? Because the world that we're first born into can be really cold and cruel. And if you're like Monk and you could remember your birth, you might be traumatized by it. If your whole life is oriented towards success, financial dependence, home ownership, job security, then you may feel as though you were born only to work, only to succeed. You exert yourself past the point of exhaustion until you feel numb. You feel depersonalized, like nothing you do really matters. You were born to burn out. But when we are born from God, John says, we are born into love. We're born into love. Now, it might be easy for you to think, well, yeah, I believe that's true about other people. It might be harder to accept that God loves you personally. So you might ask, well, how do you really know that God loves you or not? Do you know that God loves you when your life turns out more or less how you expected it to? Well, what about when it doesn't? Isn't that when you most need God's love? Do you know that God loves you when there's food on the table or a roof over your head? But surely God loves the hungry and homeless, perhaps especially so. How do we know that God loves each one of us, every one of us, always, everywhere, at every point in time? John says, we remember Jesus Christ. Look at 1 John 4.9. He says, this is how love from God was made known among us. God has sent his one and only son into the world so that we may live through him. How do we know that God loves us? John says, remember Jesus Christ. There we see the love of God embodied. There we see the love of God made known. Jesus Christ has come into the world, and it's meant all the difference to us. John even says we come to live through Jesus Christ. He came into the world so that we can live through him. God said, live to us. I, I find it a little dif difficult to understand this phrase, live through Jesus. Uh, what does it mean, after all, to live through someone? And then I remembered, sometimes uh, we use this phrase negatively. Uh, we talk about a father who's living vicariously through his son's football career, and that often doesn't go very well. Um, but I don't think that's exactly what's going on. It, it, um, as I thought about the language of birth in this passage, we are born from God. I thought maybe this is how the language makes sense. Um, I came to live through my mother because she bore me in her body, because she physically gave of herself. She gave me birth, and I became alive through her. 
God sends Jesus, John says. And, and if I can put it this way, Jesus mothers us into being so that we come to life through him. We are born into love through the cross. And this is a really, this is a mystery. Um, and I want to explore it with you for a moment. We're born into love through the cross. Christians have long wondered how exactly the salvation of humanity came about through Jesus' death on the cross. Because the cross was a horror. It was a shame. It's the execution of Jesus Christ as a criminal. And yet that is the moment of salvation. How does the cross work to save us? The New Testament talks about this in different ways. They aren't mutually exclusive ways. They aren't contradictory ways. It's like you look at what Jesus has done for us, and it's like a multifaceted jewel. You turn it a little bit, and it all looks different, even though it's the same thing. So the New Testament talks about how the cross saves in different ways. Jesus becomes a sacrifice that deals with sin, or Jesus becomes a substitute for us who bears the anger um, that we might deserve, or Jesus becomes a conqueror who rescues us from death and the devil. In the passage we're looking at, John seems to think that the cross works as an act of redemptive, life-giving love. So how does love give life? We may get some help here from John's gospel. Uh, There, Jesus compares his crucifixion to the agony of childbirth. Jesus says this to his disciples. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. If you keep in mind how dangerous childbirth was in the ancient world, how painful it could be, it's as though on the cross, Christ enters into labor with us. The cross is the pain of labor that results in new life and new joy. The curse that Jesus bears on the cross, at least in part, is the curse of pain during childbirth. He dies in labor to bring new life into the world. And so we were born through the agony of the cross. We become alive to the self-giving love of Jesus Christ for us. We're born anew, born into God's love because God labored with us on the cross. There's this beautiful image in a medieval French manuscript of the Bible. I hope you can see it. On the top, you see God bringing Eve out of Adam's side. And in the bottom, you see God bringing the church out of Christ's pierced side on the cross. Um, This image of, of how the cross works has really captured my imagination It's just beautiful to me. Because in it we meet the tender love that God has for us. We see the pain of Jesus in labor for us. But we also see how intimately connected it is to the life that Jesus brings forth. The new life that we have with Christ. 
We're born into God's love through the cross. Because God sent the Son, we've become alive to love. So, we're born from God. We're born into God's love through the cross. And this is why John says the cross is the place where God's love is most revealed to us. God's love is more than a feeling. It's more than a feeling. It's, it's an event. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus all bear out God's life-giving love for us. And this is why John tells us that, that God loved you first. Before you took your first breath, before you spoke your first word, God loved you. Actually, before you made any choice for God, God loved you. Before you loved God, God loved you. God loved you first because God decided you would be born through the cross. While you were flailing about in your blood, God came and said to you, live. He said it to each one of us. That's, God's love is so staggering, so beautiful. I wonder if you're ever afraid that God is basically disappointed with you, or angry with you, or even worse, indifferent toward you. Sometimes we can project how we feel toward God with how God feels toward us. But this passage says that God's orientation toward us is life-giving love, redemptive love. God loved us first. One of my favorite sentences in 1 John says, um, it's verse 4.10, Love doesn't mean that we have loved God, but that God loved us. God even sent his own son as the way our sins are done away with. I really like this sentence because uh, I, I guess I'm just always surprised that John says we don't love God. Uh, his point seems to be that love belongs to God. We never really get to claim love as something that comes from us. Um, all love comes from God. And the more we come to trust what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, the more we can see that's true. Part of coming to trust in God's love is acknowledging that it does away with our sins. Uh, that's what the word propitiation means in, in some of your Bible translations, uh, or what it's really getting at. It's the way our sins are done away with. When God brings us to new birth through the cross, he, he takes everything about our past, every regrettable word we've spoken, every mean action, every good left undone, and God does away with it. God does away with our sin by giving us each new life through the cross. Life now defined by God's love for us, not by the ways that we are wrong, wrongful. I see this dynamic in one of the most beautiful scenes to me in Lila. Um, back to Lila. It's, it's the moment that the minister who she will eventually marry baptizes her. They're in a river. 
And he lays his hand three times on her head as he baptizes her in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And Lila begins weeping because of the tenderness of love that she feels in that moment. But she also feels utterly exposed, utterly vulnerable. She tells the minister that she can't trust him because, because she can't trust anybody. But then she surprises herself by telling him the thing that she's most ashamed about, her life and her past. It's almost as though she's trying to push him away, but in her heart hoping that in that moment he would move toward her. He says to her, Lila Dahl, I just washed you in the waters of regeneration. As far as I'm concerned, you're a newborn. You're making sure you can trust me, which is wise. It's much better for the both of us. That moment is a moment where the love each of them receive from God starts to take root in their love and trust that they're building with each other. This is a kind of love that brings people together without destroying difference. And it's a love made possible by the recognition that our sins are done away with by God. The past doesn't foreclose on the present because God loved us first. God loved each one of us first. But no one of us is the first person to be loved by God. When we're born into love, we're born into a family. We're God's own children. We come to know brothers and sisters who we never would have known that we had. And because of that, we have a rightful obligation to love each other. We owe it to each other to practice love. First uh, John 4.11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love each other. He says again, We love because he first loved us. We need to help each other practice love. Because John tells us that, actually, we can't love God directly. The love that we receive from God can only be returned to God by loving God's children. Uh, to put it another way, when we love human beings made in the image of God, we love God. And that's the only way to love God by loving human beings made in his image. John says in verse 20 that a person can't really claim to love the God whom they haven't seen if they can't love the people who they have seen, people who bear God's image, and especially those people who have also been born into God's love. Uh, it's something like this. Your love for God is your love for others, is your witness to Christ's love. If we want to love God... We need to love each other. How does that love take shape with us? Uh, what does it look like? I know that I feel love uh, when a person really listens to me. When someone asks questions that I know are open and honest because they come from a place of genuine interest and care. My mother died a year ago on January 10th, and just over a week ago, Daniel Long wrote me a note and left it on my desk with a succulent. And I received that as an act of love. 
I felt known. I felt cared for. Daniel is another pastor at this church, if you don't know him. And then there's these kinds of mundane daily acts of love that involve practicing care for each other, um, caring for a person's needs, what they eat, what they wear, um, how they live, what they know, and on and on and on. Most of you probably love like this in your vocations, in your daily work. And you might not always be making a connection between your daily work and the people that you are loving through your work. Try to do that this week. Think about how is my work an act of love for others? And then there are public acts of love. One philosopher says that justice is simply what love looks like in public. It's what happens when we do right by others, especially those who are living on the edge. If you're starting to feel overwhelmed, I just, I I begin to feel overwhelmed when I think about this. But God has called us his own children. And that means we're still growing up with each other in love. It means that God will give us all the strength and grace we need, that God will stay with us as we try to love each other. I want to talk about just one more scene from Lila because it captures what this growing up in love looks like so beautifully. After Lila gives birth to their son, she finds herself dreaming about her old life as a wanderer. She thinks it's so strange, this new birth, this new settled life that she has, and she dreams of running away again. Then she comes to her senses, and she says to her husband, I guess there's something the matter with me, old man. I can't love you as much as I love you. This is the first time she tells John Ames that she loves him. It shows both how completely she loves him and how inadequate her love is. Her love for him exceeds her capacity to give it. I can't love you as much as I love you. For me, that puts into words what I want to say toward God, because I love God with my whole heart, but if the only way to love God is by loving other people, I'm not always so sure that I do that very well. I can be impatient or just not really notice people around me. Most often it's hurry that prevents me from loving others, probably, I think. I don't know. Maybe that's an easy out for me. I can't love you as much as I love you. The good news is that however incomplete our love, God loves us in Jesus Christ and bears us into a new life of love. We are born from God born into God's love through the cross, through the cross, born into God's family, and having become God's children, born into a new name. The Father gives us a name that we share with his own son, and that name is Beloved. Thanks be to God.